The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. To the Ranger fans about their big win today. Uh, also did the NBA last hour with uh, Jamie Harris of the Amsterdam News, talking a little Knicks, Nets, and the NBA. Now we turn our attention to baseball. And for that, when I want to, when I want to try to feel better about my Mets as a fan, I get on the bat phone and I call Pat Ragazzo, who does a great job, great job for SI. Pat, always a pleasure. Good. Thanks for a couple of minutes tonight, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Larry. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm doing good. Pat, just give me an overview before we talk about the Mets and Yankees, respectively. Just give me your thoughts. And I know we've had just a couple of spring training games, but just give me your thoughts about the new rules. I mean, I was reading up. I saw that one game has already been been decided because a batter was didn't get back in the batter's box in time, and the, the strike was a third strike, third called third strike. What, give me your thoughts on the early early adjustments by players and from the folks you've spoken with about these new rules. Well, early on, it's pretty clear uh, the game has changed. Now, I know it's only been a few games, but uh, the Mets' first three spring training games have all been two and a half hours, and uh, the pitchers and hitters alike are are getting used to a quicker pace now with the pitch clock. Um, then, of course, the uh, we have bigger bases this year, and we also have the banding of the shift, which we've seen some hits go through the hole where uh, second baseman maybe, particularly with lefties, where a second baseman would have been shaded in, in the uh, – shallow part of the outfield grass and now that's you know that's eliminated from the game but uh yeah a lot of changes and um the the pitchers and hitters seem to uh be be picking it up as as it's going and uh it's, it's just going to take a little bit of time to get to get used to the spring pat let's talk about this met team um obviously it's going to be about pitching it's about pitching when you've, if you've been a met fan as long as i have it's always about pitching with this team so obviously you go out you get you lose uh the grom which I don't blame them for because I wouldn't have signed them to that amount of money either. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they add in, they add in Verlander, Schertz is coming back, Singa with the, with the ghost pitch. Give me your, your thought process on this starting rotation. Yeah, of course. So the Mets lost the ground, like you said. He got that huge five-year, $185 million contract from the Texas Rangers that the Mets were never going to – the Mets never came close to matching. They didn't have a chance to match, uh, you know, before the ground signed that deal. Um, they lost Chris Batten, they lost Tywin Walker, but they replaced those three with reigning AL Cy Young Award winner um, Justin Verlander and Jose Quintana, who's a, a proven veteran. And they signed Kodai Senga from uh, from the, the NPB, and uh, he's you know he had great numbers over there in Japan, and um, he's been really impressive. That's my takeaway so far from camp. Kodai Senga has been very impressive. He's, he's dialed up to 96. Uh, and he's, he's showed off that ghost fork pitch. So, um, yeah, I mean, pitching is going to be uh, a really big factor to uh, the Mets getting to where they want to go this season, and uh, it's really just going to come down to health. It's not a question of talent. I mean, you got Berlander, who just won the Cy Young. you got Jose Quintana, like I said, you know, is, has been a consistent starter in the big leagues for quite some time. And you got Kodai Senga, who's a potential Rookie of the Year candidate this year. Uh, you know, add, add on a Max Scherzer and uh, Carlos Carrasco, and the Mets have a pretty strong rotation. And they have depth in that rotation as well. Um, David Peterson is a guy who gave the Mets some meaningful innings last year, had some success. Tyler McGill, uh, you know, was successful early on last season. And uh, Elisir Hernandez and uh, Joey Lucchese. And they're, they're going to need their pitching depth this year. You know, like, like we've seen, you can never have too much starting pitching. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, that, that has proven to be the case with the Mets over the last couple of seasons. So, um, you know, it helps that they're, that they're deep and they have some, uh, you know, guys with major league talent, you know, in, in the depths uh, over there. So, um, you know, the starting five looks pretty strong, but, um, but I like their depth as well. And, um, and they're definitely going to need it this year. Pat, it's probably just me, but talk me off this ledge. Pitchers who leave Houston don't seem to be as good as when they're in Houston. <laughs> what can I expect from Verlander this year? <laughs> well, Verlander did just turn 40 years old, but he's in great shape. And, uh, you know, he's looked sharp in his live, his live BP sessions that he's thrown so far. He's going to get into a spring game in about five or six days. But, uh, but Verlander was a guy who had a lot of success with the um, – the Detroit Tigers for quite some time. So uh, I don't think it's just Houston, but, uh, you know, maybe if you're looking at the glass half empty, uh, you know, you could say that they prolonged, Houston prolonged his career, but uh, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Max Scherzer, I mean, Justin Verlander and uh, Max Scherzer are going to be challenging themselves all year long and they're going to be leading this rotation, you know, and, you know, leading the Mets hopefully to another playoff appearance. Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll be. Listen, the, the starting rotation, like you said, is deep and you need depth because somebody's going to get hurt and you're going to have to go to the, to get some innings from somebody. So you know that's going to happen. Plus, let's face it, Pat, with the rules, I think there's going to be more offense. So you may have to go deeper into your bullpen, and that's where I want to take – I want you to go next, and that is the Mets made some acquisitions from the bullpen uh, to try to strengthen it, like David Robinson, the former Yankee, former Philly. Um, so take me through this bullpen and, and some, of the, some of the people that are there and what, what can we expect in, into their, their certain roles as we go into the season. Well, yeah, in the bullpen, there's about five spots that are guaranteed. You got elite closer Edwin Diaz, who re-signed on a five-year deal. Um, you have David Robinson, who they brought in, who's a proven veteran. And you, you, they brought back Adam Ottavino. They traded for Brooks Raley, who's a talented lefty, who's looked sharp so far in camp. Um, and you got Drew Smith coming back, who, was, who started off the season strong last year, but then hit kind of a right and then wound up going on the injured list with a, uh, with a last strain. Uh, but those five are going to be the guaranteed spots in the bullpen. And then um, you have some guys with options who came in on minor league deals who are going to be competing for spots, you know, whether it's Tommy Hunter or uh, John Curtis, Jimmy Yacobonis, Stephen Ridings. The list goes on and on and on. And the Mets brought in some of these, uh, you know, these depth pieces uh, to compete for spots in the bullpen. And, uh, of course, what, what uh, really goes under the radar was what Trevor Williams did for the Mets last year, that swingman. Uh, you know, pitching as a long reliever in the bullpen, but making spot starts and filling in the rotation when the Mets had injuries. Uh, Trevor Williams, of course, signed with the Washington Nationals this offseason. So the Mets are looking to uh, to kind of fill his role, you know, find that swing man, you know, whether it be Ellie Sir Hernandez or a uh, Joey Lucchese to kind of, you know, that guy who, who can start but also, uh, you know, serve as a long reliever. Um, that's what they're really going to be looking at. I think that that was really like an X factor for them last year and something that they're probably hoping to replicate this year as well. Pat Magazzo is my guest. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Pat, let's talk about the catching situation now. Um, you know, you've got a couple of guys. Everybody's looking for, like me, Francisco Alvarez. That's the guy we want to see. That's the guy we've heard so much about. Uh, but the Mets made a couple of moves at, at the backstop situation. Uh, take me through that the depth of the catcher. Will we get a chance to see uh, Alvarez, do you think, this year? Well, I think there's no question that Alvarez is going to be up with the big league club at some point this year. Um, you know, he's very close. His offense is major league ready, but it's really it's his it's his catching 
uh, and his defensive skills behind the plate that really need to continue to, you know, get some development. And, and that's most likely going to come at AAA. Uh, I think it's all but guaranteed that he's going to start the season in AAA, first AAA Syracuse. Um, he needs to continue to develop his framing and his receiving skills. And, uh, you know, luckily he has Thomas Nito and Omar Navarez to learn from. But those are two excellent defensive catchers. That's obviously what the Mets are prioritizing at the position. And, um, you know, they, they think Alvarez is going to be a star. He's a top prospect. He's the number three prospect in all of baseball. I think he's the Mets' top prospect. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's gonna, the Mets this year, um, you know, it's going to make a huge difference if Alvarez is up contributing at some point. Um, and that goes for Brett Beatty, too. I know we're, mm. we're talking about catchers, but uh, Alvarez and Beatty are very close to being major league ready, being everyday players. And, um, and I do think that both of them will have a chance to contribute this year. Can Beatty and I know Guillaume had a uh, Guillaume had a fabulous year last year, and Escobar was streaky, but he was big down the stretch. The, the, does Beatty have a chance to get some meaningful at bats this year? Yeah, I think there's no question that Beatty will probably get some meaningful at bats this year. Um, he's already off to a very hot spring. Of course, he homered yesterday. He had two hits in the Interscribe game, the Interscribe uh, scrimmage on Friday. Um, he's he's a guy who he got he got his feet wet in the big leagues last year. He hit two homers. Um, he only went seven for thirty eight, but uh, and before he got the thumb injury. But um, you know he had a big year in the minor leagues last year. Nineteen home runs, sixty RBIs, uh, eight hundred plus OPS. Um, he's he's a guy who's uh, yeah he's clearly the Mets' number two prospect, and um, he is very close to being major league ready. I do think like Alvarez, Beatty's going to start the season in AAA. Uh, as he's also refining his defensive skills, but but I do think that um, that he'll probably contribute at some point this season as well. Pat, I'm happy that the Mets brought back, brought back Brandon Nimmo. Uh, I felt that the loss of Starling, Sterling Marte uh, really cost them in that in that series against Atlanta at the end of the year that you know cost them the division. But I'm a little concerned about the outfield depth. What can you tell me about some young guys who might add some depth to this outfield? Well, yeah, that's the, the kind of tricky part there. Um, the Mets don't really have uh, that much depth in the outfield. They signed Tommy Pham to be the fourth outfielder. Um, he's been playing center field in the first couple uh, spring training games. And uh, that, that's the question, too, is who's your backup center fielder? Because Mark Hanna can play the position. Sorry, Marte can play the position, but the Mets like to keep him just in right. That's where he said he's most comfortable is to stay in right, especially since he was learning the position for the first time last year. But um, from a depth standpoint, you have Tommy Pham and um, Abraham Almonte, and uh, you also have Tim LaCastro, who the Mets signed to a minor league deal this offseason. So uh, th- that is an area where they're kind of lacking. They don't have too much of a strong depth in the outfield, and that's why they got to kind of make sure that they do what they can to keep the, the starting three uh, you know, as healthy as possible as the season goes on. You know, I thought, uh, Pat, that, Francisco Lindor had a really, really great year last year. He was he was excellent. Home runs were up. He set all kind of records for shortstops with the Mets. But I just, you know what? It's 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 really unfair. I'm I'm making I'm saying this up front to you, Pat. It's unfair because he wasn't the only one. But some I felt somebody needed to lead and try to do something in that series against Atlanta. You knew what it was going to be like at the end of the season, right? And he didn't step up. Alonzo struggled in that series. So those are your main guys. How do they put this behind them? Because 
they're the leaders on this team. And let's face it, Pat, this is a World Series team. This It's World Series a bust for this team. They have to at least, they may not have to win the, of course you want to win the World Series when you get there. But they have to at least get to the World Series with the money that uh, Steve Cohen has, has spent on this team. Yeah, of course, the expectations are high. Uh, we, we asked Steve, Steve Cohen was asked by, uh, by a reporter during the week uh, at, in Port St. Lucie if there was a World Series or bust. And, he wouldn't put that label on this team just because of how hard it is to get to a World Series. And, of course, that's the case. But with all the money they've spent, and the Mets are loaded with talent, they have eight players in the top 100 on MLB Network's list, which is tied to the most in baseball with the Houston Astros. Um, the Mets are super talented. And, um, you know, they, they came up short in the end of last year. There's no question about it, in this, whether it was the series in Atlanta, uh, which kind of took the wind out of their sails, and then, you know, losing to the San Diego Padres in the wild card round. Um, the Mets just ran out of offense in the month of September, not even in, down the stretch, but in the month of September as a whole. When Charlie Marte broke his finger, the Mets offense kind of went into a major rut, and they really missed him, like you mentioned before, especially in the Atlanta series. And um, I think Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor also felt it too because uh, they, they didn't have that protection in the lineup that Marte brought. Um, you know, it, it really it, it, it didn't have their lineup as deep as, as it was, you know, prior to that injury. So, I think that's the way that they put it behind them. And also, like we were talking about before, um, you know, whether Beatty and Alvarez contribute this year, I think will make a major difference of, uh, you know, especially on offense for the Mets and, and where this team is going in their trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can Peter Alonso continue to get better, Pat? He, he, he just seems to do get better and better every season. Is, is, he, is he the guy that can continue to just, you know, play the way he plays and, and just continue to, to lead this club the way he does? I think so. I think, I think he just continues to get better every year. Um, he's a guy who you can almost, you know, take it to the bank that he's going to hit 40 plus home runs and drive in a hundred plus RBIs and be an 800 OPS player. Um, he's one of the best power hitters. If not, uh, he's been the best power hitter since 2019 when he made his major league debut, he hit 146 home runs, which is the most in baseball during that span. Um, he came into camp in great shape. He told me uh, the other day that uh, he can run two miles in under 14 minutes, and he lost close to 15 pounds wow. uh, in the offseason. So um, he's a guy who's extremely determined and motivated, and, uh, you know, with his work ethic and everything else, uh, the work he's put in, I think that, uh, you know, you can, you can count on him to have another big year for the Nets. Pat, last thing. Um, handicap this division for me. I mean, obviously, you know, as a Met fan, you never can count Atlanta out. They always seem to, no matter how big your lead is, Pat, they always seem to come around. But this, you know, Philadelphia's got a pretty good team too. Oh, by the way, they didn't win the World Series last year. So handicap this National League East for me. Yeah, that's kind of tricky. Uh, you know, of course, the Phillies were a team who struggled last year. They fired Joe Girardi as their manager, and they went on a run with Rob Thompson. Um, and they wound up getting hot. They were like the Cinderella team who, uh, you know, went on a run in the playoffs. They snuck in as a wild card team and they went on a run in the playoffs and wound up making a World Series appearance. And, uh, you know, but I, I think that the Phillies are, are still the third place team in this division. I think it's going to be the Mets and Braves duking it out for the division, but I think the Mets are going to wind up winning the NL East this year. Uh, that's just my gut feeling. I I'm not sure about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, they do. I mean, 101 wins last year, they should have won the division. It's just Atlanta was just, just got hot late, and, you know, they just couldn't do anything. But, no, I agree with you. I expect the Mets to win the division. You know what? Like we said earlier, Pat, it's not really about the 
it's just about the regular season, obviously, because it puts you in position. But it's really going to be about what they do in the postseason. And listen, with the with the money that Manny Machado signed today, reported by our own Jeff Passan, uh, you know, they're solidifying that that San Diego team that went deep into the postseason too. So it's it's not going to be easy to get to the World Series. I expect the Dodgers will be better. It's going to be it's it's not going to be easy to get there. But you know, it starts with winning your division because you know home home field is a thing. It's important. It is really important. Um, but we did see the Braves, the Mets and Braves kind of wore each other out last year with the um, with the race for the division. And, you know, you saw it when the Bra- the Mets obviously flamed out in the wild card round, but then the Braves had that bye and um, they, they wound up losing the series to the Phillies in the NLDS. Um, but it is, like, like you said, though, it is super important, that, you know, winning the division title because of that bye. You know, and also, uh, but but also, it is it is uh, you know about getting hot at the right time. And I think the Mets we saw last year at the deadline they didn't do much. You know, what you know teams were asking for their top prospects, and they just they they couldn't come to a deal to uh, you know they weren't going to trade Alvarez or Beatty for a rental player. Um, but but I think that this year, um, if Alvarez and Beatty aren't contributing, um, you know, at some point, then I think that the Mets do need to make a trade. I'm not saying to trade either of those guys, but I think they need to be more aggressive with what they do at the trade deadline this year because they they need to do something with that offense. Um, you know, they they need more power in the lineup, and uh, you know this is the year where you got to go for it. You got Justin Verlander, 40 years old, on a short-term mm-hmm. deal. You got Max Scherzer as an opt-out after the season, and he's approaching age 40. Um, they're in win-now mode, and they got to be a little more aggressive as opposed to last year. Darren Ruff is not going to get it done, Pat. <laughs> No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Darren Ruff is not that answer. Vogelback is. He did a nice job at the DAs. Darren Ruff is not that. I just got one follow-up. I know I said one question, but Pat, I lied. I got one more. Um, does it help the Mets that because of the new schedule that you're not facing everybody in your division 19 times, you face them less? Does that help the Mets or does that hurt the Mets in their battle with Atlanta? Um, You know, it's tough to say. I think that... um. It, it might help the Mets just because, uh, you know, they're you know, they're not just playing their division, uh, you know, every other week. Like they're they're playing everybody now. Everybody's playing everybody, and the the playing field and the strength of schedule is is, you know, it's it's even. It's it's even, and uh, you know, they'll still be going head to head with the guys in their division enough, but just not as much as last year, and. Um, yeah, I, I guess time will tell to see, you know, whether it uh, benefits them or not. Pat, keep up the great work on SI. We'll be following you during training, uh, spring training, and we'll talk to you as the season draws near. All right. Thanks so much, Larry. Take care. All right. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Pat Ragazzo does a great job with SI covering the Mets and the major leagues. The New York Islanders 50th anniversary season continues with celebrations and giveaways also. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Little Mets, we had Pat Regazzo, but I'll talk a little Yankees with you if the Yankee fans want to join in. I know it's early. I get it. Larry, can you, Larry, like spring training, like I'm just looking at games. Can can we relax? No, I'm, I'm trying to get you guys warmed into it, you know, warmed up. Because now you had the chance to watch game. Got to be honest with you, uh, spring training, and Pat's right, I, they are moving quickly. The games are, there's a difference. Okay, I want to see how it trans, transcends to the regular season. But the, these, these spring games have been moving rather quickly. Uh, 
But it's once I see the starter, I look at the starters. For me, looking at the Mets, I want to look. I'm not going deep into the games. I'm looking at what the the, the starters are doing, and I'm good. After the starting pitchers are doing right now, I'm looking at starting pitchers, and I'm good. I'll come back. I'll look at highlights of other stuff. I won't start to really start logging into games. Not till we get for another couple weeks. I, I can't. It's too. I, I just. I just. I got to be in a certain frame of mind for that. So, baseball is. Uh, you know, it's 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 coming. We get the and of course you know with the WBC is coming up. So, which is also a concern because you know, I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of Met players on that WBC roster. You know what I'm saying? So I'm. You know. I'm concerned about that as well. But it should be okay. They'll they'll be all right. They'll be ready to go. You know, when the when the bell rings for the regular season. Sam's in San Antonio. Hey Sam, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hey, how you doing, my brother Larry? I hope all is well with you, my brother. I haven't spoken to you in a while, but this is the time of the year that we always wrap before the season begins. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much for your time uh, once again. So first and foremost, uh, when it comes to the Mets, the one thing that we should know for sure is that there's no way that the catcher position can be worse than the last 20 years. I mean, the last, I mean, I think they had a combined four home runs since Mike Piazza left. So that's one thing I think we could be sure of. Yeah, um, now, I'm flip-flop with you. My concern is, uh, I do have a concern with Verlander because it seems like whenever a pitcher leaves Houston, they seem to kind of hit the downside. Uh, Garrett Cole, a couple of other names, but you know, he's been doing his thing, but that's my concern with Verlander. Um, Now, the other positive that we know with all these new uh, rule changes, the one thing we know is that we do have the best coach in the league and he, he definitely exposes those rules. So I expect him to continue doing his thing. Uh, offensively, I agree with you. I think we do need another bat, but that's the one cool thing that the Wilpons are gone is that we now know that we're at least going to be involved in the conversations. Whereas before we know that we were never, it was was a joke that all of us fans were like, Oh, I would like this guy. I would like that guy. When we knew that it was going to be you and me starting for them versus like the Manny Mm -hmm. Machado's, at least now we have a legitimate, uh, Involvement in those conversations, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other concern that I do have, honestly, Larry, I know he was lights out last year. Diaz. But it seems – Diaz. Yes, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> it seems whenever uh, whenever a reliever closer gets that, gets that deal, something happens to them. I don't know what it is, something when they're in the ink when they're signing with the pen, but that's also my concern this year. He was lights out last year. Uh, can he even be like 80% of that? We'll see what happens. But uh, I expect another 100, uh, close to 100 uh, win season. Um, and I expect him to go far. Uh, that I do expect. But once again, Larry, thank you. I'll hang up now and listen. And once again, I hope all is well with you and your family, my brother. Everything and is good, Sam. The there. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. Everything is good. Hope you and your family are well as well. No, we basically agree. We're basically in lockstep. That that would be my concern as well. Um, and I said it earlier about DF. Because here's the first of all, it would be hard for him to equal or be better than the dominance of Edwin Diaz last season. He was dominant. He was unhittable last season. So listen, if I could get close to that Diaz, I'm good. I'll take it. I don't know that you could repeat that season. That's how good he was. I don't know that you can repeat it. I don't know that you can be better than that. But if, but I hope he is. But I don't know. So that's 
that's another thing. But I think you've got more depth in the bullpen because you've got David Robertson, who's been a closer, who understands what that means. So you've got him. You've got a, a couple of other guys in that bullpen. Adovino, I got a little more trust in him. I didn't have a lot of trust in him last year, but before last year, but last year he did a solid job. So I have a little bit more trust in Adam Adovino than I had previously. So I think the bullpen is okay. All right, I think the bullpen's okay. I, I'm I'm happier with the bullpen than I've been in a while. Uh, the starters, I, once again, and you heard me talk to Pat about it, that was my concern about Verlander, is that pitchers from Houston are not as good when they leave as when they are there. And I don't know what it is, whether it's the pitching codes, whether it's secrets, whether it's whatever they did in Houston. I don't know what it is. It just seems as though that they're not as good when they leave. Hopefully, that will not be the case. And he will be as electric and as dominant as he was down there, uh, you know, for the Mets. So that's it. Uh, the depth of the rotation, I like too. So I'm with Pat and you on that, Sam. The other thing is, um, like I said, I think they need a bat. And the hit, let me tell you about the catching position for me. Because of the rule changes, uh, what we expect more stolen bases, that you expect with with no shifting, possibly more runners on base. I'm willing to sacrifice major offense, home run power, uh, average. I'm willing to sacrifice that in exchange for defense because I think defense from your catcher is going to be at a premium this year. I do. I really do. You have the opportunities for more stolen bases, you have the opportunity to do, you know, with, with hit and run and all the other things. You, there, there's there's a possibility in theory, I know this is what Major League Baseball is hoping, that, you know, you have more offense. So for me, I want a catcher that's going to, that's, because the pitchers can't do it, I need a catcher that's going to be able to try to keep the, um, you know, try to keep the runners close so you have a chance to throw them out. So I'm willing to take a step back offensively from the catcher position to gain defense, which is probably why you're not going to see a lot of Francisco Alvarez until his defense gets up to, to where it needs to be. Okay. And calling pitchers and doing all the other stuff that, that you need to do that you have to do to be a major league catcher. So, so I'm willing to, I'll sacrifice that for now because I, I need my, I need my backstop to be the prime defender here. I really do. So from that standpoint, I, I'm willing. I know, I know they haven't had a bunch of home runs, Sam. But I'm willing to, uh, like I said, I'm willing to take that that shot back there, because I do think we can. You can get the averages and some hitting, and some home runs from other positions. But once again, I would feel and listen. And I do understand that you can't have everything you want for a team, right? It comes at a cost. You can't have everything you want. And they've gotten much more than, than as a Met fan, I'm used to having. <laughs> much more than I'm used to having. But once again, this is about winning championships. This is about winning the World Series. That's why Steve Cohen bought this team. That's why Steve Cohen is spending the money he's spending to try to make this team a World Series championship team. Okay? And he's done a great job so far. You can't, as a Met fan, you can't ask him to do anymore. He's gotten some of the best players. He's got what 
many people consider, arguably consider, one of the top managers in the history of baseball from a preparation standpoint. He hasn't won. You'd like to get him a World Series ring, but, uh, you know, Buck Showalter does a tremendous job in having his team prepared and ready to go. And if he continues to do that, I think the Mets have a very good shot of winning their division, going deep into the postseason, and having a shot at the World Series title. Their first one since 86. It would be nice to go down the Canyon of Heroes and see a Met World Series for a change. We'll continue the conversation with you next on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. God, Houston's a bad team. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I think uh, uh, Portland's got 92 points and Damian Lillard probably has 70 of them. Every time I just put up a three and it's going in. And they just had a flagrant foul. This guy, uh, Eubanks of Portland, took down this Houston player. Okay, you know how you go up for the foul? You, you know, you're trying to you're trying to get him. And Lillard's got 41 tonight. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to grab him and so he doesn't go up. So not only did he grab him around around, not only did Eubanks grab the Rockets player by the head, he also yanked him down by his jersey. He got a flagrant one. That that, that might have been a flagrant three. <laughs> you can't yank somebody down by their jersey. From the back. Not even from the front. From the back. Because I... Never mind. one 800 Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Hi, Larry. You know, Larry, uh, one thing Cohen did, Steve Cohen, that I mm-hmm. really admire. Uh, every Sunday, I go from the Bronx, I go over to Whitestone Bridge to Flushing. And in the back of City Field, they had these advertisements hanging out, FanDuel and Nikon. Oh, it looked terrible. Looked like an amusement park, uh, City Field. You know, they were hanging from the back of the stadium, you know, raised above this. You know, it really looked like you were going into Atlantic City Casino or something. And he took all that down a few months ago. And it looks, you know, just the sign in the back says City Field. I mean, it looks it looks nice, much nicer. Yeah. I guess he didn't need that revenue for advertising there, really. <laughs> well, he, mo- he really. probably moved it somewhere else. <laughs> well, yeah, inside the stadium. I don't yeah. care inside, but outside it looked yeah. terrible. I mean, you wouldn't see that Yankee stadium. And, you know, as I'm driving past, I drive by the uh, tennis stadium, too, with that closed mm-hmm. dome. Yeah. They don't have any advertisement there, nothing, no. zero. No. You know, and but city, it looks a lot better. So mm-hmm. that was that. Uh, Larry, yes. do you think Fordham basketball can do to New York City what St. Peter's did last year? It's possible. It's I would possible, love it, Larry. They're they're playing very well. You give them give that coach a lot of credit. He was on the uh, K show a couple Larry, of weeks ago. Know, I saw K was up there yesterday. Oh, uh, and they won the yesterday, game? sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Larry, I just hope they win that tournament, the Atlantic uh, to yeah. the Atlantic Ten tournament, because yeah. I don't think it's going to be the same garbage again. If you don't win your tournament yeah. on these mid-major level team uh, uh, leagues, they're not going to take the second place team. You know? Yeah, so you're right. I, I hope it so. Happens. You know, Larry, I mm-hmm. remembered uh, 52 years ago, uh, Diggers one year at Fordham when he came and left, and what Fordham did for New York City in '71 was so huge because college basketball was down 
for 20 years after the scandals, you know, the gambling scandals in the 50s. Mm -hmm. So what Phelps did, you know, and, you know, for, for New York City, that is, uh, when they came, when he had Charlie Yelverton and Kenny Charles, that team, when they came, when they came from, you know, at Fordham and uh, the resurgence of basketball in New York, mm -hmm. then, of course, a few years later, St. John's got good and uh, Big East was formed and all that. But that was a big thing. I would love to see Fordham make some noise this year, Larry. So, it would be nice because they've played well, and those kids deserve it. That program has gone through some up and down, some inconsistencies. Oh, mostly you know. downs in the last 30 yeah. years, too. Yeah. So that yeah. would, and if they can do something similar to what uh, St. Peter's did last year, that mm -hmm. was fantastic. Uh, Larry, one last thing. Did you yes. see the uh, Knicks had their held a 50th yes, anniversary of their team? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was nice. a little disappointed Phil Jackson didn't come and bury the hatchet and let bygones yeah. be bygones. He was a key member of that team. He was. That, he was. You know? Uh, but, was. of course, Dean Meminger was represented by his son. And, boy, Dean, Dean Meminger was the best six-man the Knicks ever, ever had. You know, Larry, I had forgotten this. Do you know the Knicks had five guards on that team? They you know, did. you had Monroe and Frazier. Right. Per, I mean, um, Barnett was still there, and you had Dean and Henry Bibby. That's right. You had five legitimate. Five guards. Oh, I mean, these guys were legitimate. Now, Bibby, I think, might have been a rookie that year, so he probably didn't get much playing time because he became better the year or two after. Actually, mm -hmm. he surpassed uh, Meminger. Yeah, on that team because he yeah. really because he was a great shooter and Dean right. wasn't a great outside. No, he was he a defender. He did everything else, yes. but he wasn't a great shooter. He was a and, defender uh, and rebounder. Might, that might have been Barnett's last year. It was. It was. I think so. It was. It was. Yeah. It really was. He, he, he was. You know, he's 86 years old, so he's yeah. still doing okay. He's hanging in there, and he is. of course Earl and uh, Frazier being there that was that was wonderful that was great. yesterday. I miss Willis yeah. not being there, but I understand. Yeah, Willis is a little younger than Barnett, too. Yeah, he is, he I, is. They didn't mention in the paper, was John Ginelli there, the backup No, center? he was not there. He couldn't make it. Oh, he couldn't. Yeah, make he didn't it. make it. He was it, another no. key member of that team. They he never, was. That, that didn't get the glory, you know. Of course, no. Lucas was there, and he was, he was great, too. Larry, those were great memories. You know, that was 50 years ago. I know, Richard. 50 Please don't years remind ago. me. Don't Larry, remind always me. a pleasure. Thank you, Larry. All right. All right, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, I know. I remember watching. And see, what was so what was so... Crazy about that championship was, remember, the Knicks had lost to the Lakers in five the previous year. And then to come back and beat the Lakers in five the next year was really cool. That was really cool. But that was, and once again, that was, uh, you know, that was, Injuries with Willis Reed, and that's why they went on and got Jerry Lucas, and you know him with that that kind of set shot that he had, and uh, you know, but they still had the great defense, and they still had the outside shooting, and that was the that was the thing about that team was the passing, and you know, just just you know, the, the the camaraderie that they had. Everybody knew where everybody was going to be on on the court at all times. It was just it was it was just great to watch, and it was it was great to have a team in New York that was a winner. Okay, it was as a Knicks fan, it, it was great. But to think that when I saw that team, all right, to think that. 
there wouldn't be another championship still is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's it's like to the Jet fan who had a Super Bowl. You're thinking, I mean, think about that. Back then with Namath, you're thinking, oh, I, we can get at least one, another one, another one. We could get another one. And and you don't get another one. And the same thing here. with, with the, But what happened was, unfortunately, after that season, injuries started to cut in. Okay, Reed doesn't play anymore. The Busher doesn't play anymore. And now you're you're trying to mix and match teams and and players. And then ultimately they would trade Walt Clyde Frazier to Cleveland. I'm like, what are you doing for Jim Clemens? And, you know, Earl Monroe is now, you know, the, now guys are – they're, they're backing the ball up court because, you know, they want to make sure people don't steal the ball from them. It was just, it was like a quick, it was like a quick deterioration of those players um, after that those championship years. And so you were not able, there was not enough uh, talent to carry over. And then now you start to make the trades and you, you bring in Bob McAdoo and you bring in, you know, other players and you try to see Spencer Haywood, you sign and you, you do other things and you try to get those glory days back. And it just didn't turn out that way. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll continue our conversation. We'll talk about the NBA. Uh, we'll talk some hockey. We'll talk baseball with you next on 98.7 ESPN. Come join the Ramley. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.